I hope society will eventually let go of these like unnatural toxic standards and just let people be the color they are and the age they are and the gender they are and just, just celebrate diversity. Welcome to Let's Play by the Gamers, a podcast hosted by actress Kylie Vernoff. Fans know Kylie best as the fiery Susan Grimshaw in Red Dead Redemption 2 and Miranda Cowan in GTA 5. Our series features some of the most informed and exciting people in the gaming industry today. Kylie and her guests discuss careers, gaming, and so much more. If you like what you hear, be sure to check out thegamers.com website to hear exclusive bonus material from each of our guests. Hey, everybody. I am so excited to welcome you to season two of the Let's Play podcast. And for our very first interview, I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with my friends, the wildly talented Sharon Muthu and Noshir Dalal. These two have a roster of credits in video games, in movies, and TV shows that is so long it's kind of hard to know what to name first. So to list just a few, Sharon plays Dr. Bellum in Netflix's Carmen Sandiego. She plays Agent Scheherazade in Agents of Mayhem and Karina in Diablo 3. Sharon is also an ambassador with the Dark is Beautiful campaign. Noshir plays Charles Smith in a game you may know called Red Dead Redemption 2. He plays Varko Gray in the new Star Wars Squadrons. And Noshir has roles in Gears Tactics, in Call of Duty, in Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, and so many more. We sat down and talked about their acting careers, representation in the media, how acting may have literally saved Noshir's life, and so much more. It was truly a delightful conversation, and I'm so excited to share it with you. So, here we go. Hello, you guys. Hello. Kylie. Hello, hello. Oh my God, I I'm so you. excited. I'm so <laughs> excited that you're here. Um, <laughs> so this is true. When I, was, um, when I was putting together my list for who I wanted on this podcast, you guys were just right at the top. And I was oh. looking at my notes earlier, and I said to my producer that you, as a couple, were video game royalty. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Oh, we'll God. Yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> this is actually, uh, in all of our careers, this is the first time that Noshir and I are doing an interview together. So No way! The first yeah. was given to yeah. you, Kylie. I <laughs> am so honored. I really mean that. And I know how busy you guys are. So really, it's a huge honor and such a delight. And I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, we're thrilled. You know, I'm I'm not a gamer, as you probably know. So I was just looking through all of your um, your resumes for both of you, and I was like, uh -oh. they've been in every video game ever. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, I was like, between the two of you, you've done like Agents of Mayhem, Call of Duty, Black Ops, Diablo Three, League of Legends, Uncharted, Call of Duty, Fallout, Gears Tactics, like Death Stranding, <laughs> Days Gone, The Outer Worlds, right? All these, yeah. Sekiro, oh, yeah. Shadows Die Twice, Spider-Man, and obviously Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, yeah. Um, this is crazy. It's, it's, it's been an honor. It's been a dream, actually, you know, to, yeah. to, to and I think particularly, uh, I can, you know, for no share, who, who grew up, you know, loving comic books, loving games, to, to have the thing he loves be his career, I think is 
is a really, it's a testament to, to who he is as an artist. I didn't grow up with games. I mean, I had an Atari back in the day. I played like, <laughs> I played like Burger Time and Frogger and Tapper, you know, till my eyes fell out, but I didn't really grow up in this world. So I think it's really spectacular to see the way No Sheer has evolved in this world, particularly. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Uh, me too. I, uh, I adore your husband. And I think um, he, he was always such a, a great, I, I always got so excited when I got a call sheet and saw that they were flying him in. I'd be like, oh my God, no, she's in town. So excited. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. So let's talk about how you guys started. Um, you know, I notice on social media that you guys often get the same question that I get, which is how do you get into voice acting? And mm. And I think that's because people know us um, from a lot of their favorite animated series or video games. But the truth is, you are both actors. Correct. Right. Yep. Sharon, you started in Chicago theater. Is that right? I did. Correct. Yeah. I went to um, a sort of a subcategory of DePaul, um, had like a campus up in Lake Forest uh, called Bear College. And I studied theater there and then had like a really prolific uh, stage career. I did mm -hmm. a lot of straight plays, a lot of Shakespeare, and then uh, a musical here and there uh, for the better part of like 10 years in Chicago, in the Chicago landscape. And it was, I feel like that's for me where my roots, where my roots are. Like my first love as an actor was was stage. Absolutely. I have to say, I was listening to one of your uh, reels and I heard you sing and I had chills up and down my spine. Oh, you, thank your you. voice, my God. Oh, wow. Okay. I just want you to follow me around all day and tell me nice things. <laughs> do you miss it? Do you miss being on stage and singing on stage and all that? I do. I think it's such a different beast. I know there's this uh, ongoing battle between uh, on-camera artists and voiceover artists and stage artists as to like which acting is the more pure form mm -hmm. and I feel like uh, I feel like they all of it has its particular challenges but I think the the thing I miss about theater is the energy and the joy of of the audience in the room with you and <sighs> and that sort of that feedback loop that that waiting in the wings moment you know before the curtain goes up and um, just how different the show can be every day, depending on the audience. And, yeah, and, because they bring a whole other dimension. Yes. So it, the audience isn't the same every night, so the show can't be the same every the show, night. The show is never the same, which is both terrifying and thrilling. Um, <laughs> and so I feel like that that's, that's the part I miss. I love collaboration um, in the way that we used to experience it in theater, and I feel like it's a different beast in on yeah. camera and other things. But um, I feel like actually though, when it comes to voice acting, I feel, and I, I wonder Nosh, how you feel about this. Mm. I feel like the, the, the way we collaborate in voice acting, particularly for animation and games, really does harken back to the collaborative spirit I used to feel in theater. Do you feel that way? No, yeah. me or no or no share. Oh, yeah. all of you, both all of us. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely do, but I'd rather yeah. hear from no share. What, what, do, do you feel yeah, that way, no, no share? I, I would definitely echo that sentiment. Um, I think, uh, and I think for me at least, performance capture has been kind of the like like kind of coming back to my roots in a way. I I really do feel that performance capture is uh, essentially really really expensive, really high tech black box <laughs> theater. Mm -hmm. you know? Uh -huh. Yeah, with a camera um, right on your face. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, the tech allows you to do some things that you can't do in theater, which is so uh, amazing. But otherwise, uh, so many things uh, that are similar. But uh, to Sharon's point, that live audience and, and the way their their response fuels your performance is obviously something that uh, in animation or video games uh, you still don't get. So Mm-hmm. There's something kind of cool about uh, when a project comes out, yeah. seeing how the audience reacts. Because um, Sharon, I'm sure you you feel the same. Like when there's a character that you've put a lot of love and effort into, but you have no idea how they'll be received. That exactly. can be really nerve wracking. Yeah, right? it's daunting. It's yeah. daunting, <laughs> but it's but it's also so you create that for yourself, right? You you create all of the things. Uh, that would externally be there for you in theater, the set, the lights, the costumes, the what's going on. It's all in your head and you're in a vacuum kind of creating that, that for yourself. Mm -hmm. And then the audience response comes many months or years later. (laughs) And, and, and I think that's the other part of it. We see it for the first time in its entirety at the same time, our audience sees it. So yeah, that's a trip. That it's a trip. Really? Yeah. Really yeah, is. I have to say that seeing how the audiences respond to um, to Susan Grimshaw mm. was like, oh, it was like I, I no longer had any sort of ownership over her. She now belongs to the fans and they continue to expand who she is based on their imagination and their experience. And it's so cool. It is yeah. really cool. Yeah. Is how so cool, cool is that? It's so cool. Yeah. So, no, Sheer... I know that you studied brain and cognitive science uh, up in Rochester. Is that right? Oh, God. And you have yeah. a degree in that. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Little known facts. Wait, why are, wait, I have a question. Why are we moaning about that? Do we not like uh, talking about that? No. Well, um, I mean, my journey to acting has been a, a, a long meandering and uh, sordid affair. So oh, uh, Fascinating, yes, but- too, though. <laughs> your journey has been fascinating <laughs> um but uh, yes originally back in the day i thought i was going to be a doctor and i went to cornell originally and then uh ended up at university of rochester and uh mm-hmm. yeah yeah got and, my degree. and did that so when did you switch to acting did you end up going to school for acting or is that something that you just went and just got your feet wet uh you you got to tell that story, no share. Come on. It's oh so yes, good. tell the story. I don't know this story. Okay. Okay. Well, this is like a super weird, long. Sorry. Uh, and and please cut me off at any time. Um, I'll try to do the Cliff Notes version. And Sharon, you 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 call me out when I. Oh, you know out. I'm going to cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> I can always count on you for that. Um, Happy to help. So I mean, I was a super nerd. Growing up, I, I did all the sports and stuff, but I, I grew up kind of, you know, one of the smallest kids in my in my grade and um, straight A student. Uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do, but um, went to Cornell because I figured pre-med was uh, a way to go. Mm-hmm. I was a very, very, um, very lost, very, very angry kid. Um, I'd done martial arts all my life and um, like I would actively seek out chances to show off my ability to hurt people um 
because I was a shitty, shitty person. <laughs> and, well, uh, it sounds to me like you were a person in some pain. As a yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's a very, that's, very fair way to say it. I think that's it. fair. Um, yeah. Even if uh, I probably didn't recognize it at the time. So mm. I was at Cornell and um, uh, in probably my sophomore year, out of nowhere, uh, I started having these attacks where I would literally just, uh, in the middle of a conversation on the street or whatever, just collapse. Um, like panic attacks? Uh, no, like full on blackout. Like I would know it was coming. Like they thought I had, uh, they thought maybe it was epilepsy or I was having seizures or something. Um, went to the doctor. Uh, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me, but, um, my, uh, my hemocrit was my, my blood cell count was just plummeting. Um, mm. and, uh, basically to the point where, um, the Dean of the Arts and Sciences School at Cornell, uh, Dean Gabbard, um, basically was like, cause I refused to leave. I, my, I, the idea of not graduating with my class was just, um, outrageous to me, which lets you know where my priorities were. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he basically kicked me out. He was like, I'm gonna put you in, putting you on medical leave when, when you're better, you can come back, but you, I'm not going to let you stay here and uh, hurt yourself. So I ended up leaving and uh, going back to Rochester and um, spending a lot of time in the oncology department there because they thought I had leukemia and then they thought I had lymphoma. Oh my Um, God. Yeah, it was pretty scary. And uh, at one point the doctors were like, so we figure in about a year and a half, um, if this continues the way it's going, you're going to be in really dire straits. Uh, So we're going to, uh, take out your spleen. And I was like, what? <laughs> uh, excuse me? And, and, you know, I was like, why? Like, what? what's the the medical thing? And they were like, well, your spleen just seems slightly enlarged. And we figure that maybe what's, ha- you know, what's causing it. And I was like, you're not taking out my spleen, like, on a guess. Like, yeah. <laughs> are you insane? You know, um, it's just something to try. Yeah. Uh, and they made it clear that, you know, I mean, my situation was pretty bad. I was, I was going in and getting my blood drawn every few days. Uh, if I, my temperature went up at all, I had to go to the emergency room because I didn't have the white blood cells to fight infection. Um, it was really bad. And yeah, uh, that sounds really hard. Yeah. So basically uh, I was desperate and really scared and I ended up, um, reaching out to, uh, my Kung Fu master, um, master Joe Salamonian. Um, I'd been training under, under, um, his students for, for quite some time. And, um, I really looked up to him and, you know, I said, uh, master Joe, like they're giving me like, you know, a year and a half to live. I'm, I'm freaking out. Like, uh, I don't know what to do. I'm really scared. They gave you a year and a half to live. Well, essentially they were telling me like within that timeline, if this continues, like mm-hmm. yeah. it, it's going to become really, really dire, you know? Um, cause my, my, my blood cell count was just, was plummeting. Um, and uh, so my Kung Fu master was like, well, no sure you're all fire and no water. You, you do everything at like 150%, but you don't know anything about yourself as a person. Maybe you need to explore the softer side of things like uh, poetry or, or like an acting class or something. Mm. And I was like, what the 
fuck are you saying to me? Like, I have chills I, up and down, I, by the way. I, I'm like I, all chills right now. I told you I'm dying and you told me to take a lottery class. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> and I was like, I want, you know, I thought you were going to give me like a magic potion with like lizards and scorpions floating in it. Like, what the, like, what are you telling me? Like, take an, like a, a poetry or an acting class? Get mm. the hell out of here. I was like, I mean, I didn't say this to him, but it was like, oh. I, I I was really hoping for some guidance and this is your <laughs> guidance to me. You know, um, and at the time, like you couldn't, you, you couldn't pay me to, uh, to like act. I was, um, I was vo- very emotionally guarded and very emotionally stunted. Um, I mean, I like, I was one of those guys like, you don't touch me. Like, and I'm certainly not turning my back to you is all that kind of stuff. And, um, and out of desperation, uh, and also like not knowing what else to do, I'd enrolled at the University of Rochester because it was really close to the hospital, and I could be, you know, at home and and all this stuff. So I was going to finish off my degree there. And I found out um, they had a theater program, and kind of on a whim, I uh, went and checked it out. So I went to this intro class, and uh, <laughs> and I hated it. I mean, <laughs> I. <laughs> freaking hated it it was like did you hate all the little acting students that were just so like emotionally available (laughs) i walk into this room and there's like they all want to touch you each other yeah Yeah, they're like they're like hugging each other and you know one one guy's in the corner just sobbing like (laughs) i'm sorry to laugh but uh, i remember those freshman acting classes so it's so perfect and then there's like the you know these two people like with their hands on their shoulders like doing like the uh, like all this (laughs) and i was like you guys are wieners i don't know what is happening here i hate you all and i hate this class um and the teacher for it nigel mister was oh nigel who was who I have to interrupt by saying he was pivotal. He was like the anchor for Nosh and, and his future yeah. trajectory. Mm. Really, yeah, truly. Totally, totally. What That's was his name? Let's shout him out. What uh, was it? N- Nigel Maester. He he runs the theater program at the University of Rochester. And um yeah. uh I mean, in no small part, like I really do owe him um my life, you know. Yeah. Uh so uh, we would do we would read a play that was currently going on and like like there would even be stuff in there like, you know, dealing with um, uh, sexuality and, and like, uh, you know, kind of fighting the heterosexual norms and all this stuff. And, and it wasn't that I was, um, no, like I, I, I was very um, sheltered in my upbringing mm-hmm. and, and like that, that kind of stuff made me incredibly uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think Nigel, for whatever reason, saw someone who um, could really use some help. And essentially, like, I was a straight-A student, and he he kind of was like, so you're going to audition for this play. And I was like, no, I'm not. And he was <laughs> like, well, if you don't, like, I'm not going to give you your your A. Like, oh, you are auditioning yeah. for this play. He threatened the GPA. Yeah, oh, and I was like, are brilliant you move. fucking Well played. Kidding? So um, it was for uh, Friedrich Dernemott's The Visit. Um, and oh, I, I know The Visit. The, oh, yeah. 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 And, and like Nigel had this really um, amazing vision for what he wanted to do. And I auditioned for the role of the, the priest. I didn't know what I was doing. And I, I went, you know, to get my A. And then, of course, he cast me. 
And I was like, of no, course he did. <laughs> why? Why are you doing this to me? And um, so, I, and I'm like, fine. Like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll roll with this. Let's see um, just how bad this gets. And, um, you know, it's not a large part, but um, I remember being in this small black box theater and watching, you know, a couple dozen people have this shared community experience like and and i watched a whole bunch of strangers kind of come together in one moment being moved by a story that they were all getting told at the same time and everyone was taking something different from it but the transformation was uh was common and it really freaked me out like it made me incredibly uncomfortable and um and i needed to to know more <laughs> mm-hmm. um so i ended up auditioning for the next play and that was uh you were of, hooked and you yeah, were hooked. <laughs> yeah well it's funny because i was hooked in that it offered me something i'd never experienced before but i didn't really like it it, it actually made me incredibly uneasy like being uh, on uh, stage or just the whole the whole oh, study the, of acting the whole thing i mean being on stage the idea that like well Okay, so like a great example is uh, the next play I, I ended up playing the father in uh, Six Characters in Search of an Author. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, the father is a, that is a, he is a messed up dude. You know, like, I mean, he, he abandons his family. And as a result, I mean, there's a scene where he essentially tries to push himself on a young prostitute at a whorehouse and only when she breaks down in hysterics does he come to realize that this is, his daughter, his who, daughter, right? You know, like <laughs> as a result of his, you know, yeah. as a result of his cowardice and poor life decisions, like he's, he, this is what he has wrought, you know. Yeah. Um, Nigel had brought a, a New York director, Michael Barakiva, to to do that play, and Michael knew that I was uh, super, like super wound up and and really high strung and very uncomfortable, and so he had everyone leave the stage so that it was just me and um, the other actress, Kaylee Quinn. Uh, an amazing actress and I couldn't do it. Like I, like halfway through the scene, I just bolted and um, you know, he followed me out and he's like, what's wrong? And I was, I was like punching lockers and breaking shit. And I was just like, I hate this. Like this, this guy is a pig. Like he's disgusting. I, why, why would I want to do this? Like I don't, and I, I don't like the way this makes me feel like I was so angry and so ashamed and like, it was embarrassing, you know, I, I, like I was playing a, a character who's just a, a, a disaster and, and has hurt people as a result of his cowardice. And Michael kind of took me aside and was like, no, Sheer, like you can't judge him. If you are going to be an actor, you have to learn to accept who this guy is because he's you, you know? And I was like, okay, guy, whatever you say, like. I really had a hard time with it. And then um, closing night of that show, we all had like this um, really stark makeup that we were wearing for the show. And on closing night, I'm, I'm kind of taking it off. And I started, I started crying. Like, which is not something at that time <laughs> I was, you know, <laughs> and, and like, I kind of realized that the father had, had become this really flawed friend who had made some really bad choices, but that didn't make him a bad person you know and that i was never going to see him again and that just killed me um yeah 
You got your really key in. Heart. You got your key yeah. in. Yeah. yeah, and I think I learned to love someone who had a lot of flaws, which actually was me learning to love myself. And mm-hmm. at this time, I was getting my blood drawn and all this other stuff, and things weren't going well. And um, and shortly after, I think closing night, somewhere around there, um, I got a call from the doctor, and they were like, "Hey, uh, you need to come in right away." And I was <gasps> like, "Oh God, oh, like, it's, it's surgery true. time," you know. So. Um, Best part of the story. <laughs> so, so I go in and I was like, so what? Spleen's coming out? Like, <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> and, um, and they were like, so over the last uh, three months or so, um, they had this like chart. They're like, your, your uh, hematocrit, your blood count has just started taking off again. Um, we don't know if that's because of a change in your diet or a change in your lifestyle. If you've changed something in your life recently, um, just keep doing what you're doing because uh, we don't actually know what's wrong with you, but right now it seems to be reversing course. And the only thing that had really happened is I'd, I'd started acting. Isn't you know? that amazing? This is incredible. And, <laughs> and acting you know saved his life. <laughs> I love this and I believe it with everything that I am. I mean, I, I really do. I, oh, this could be a whole other podcast, but <laughs> I believe that... What we hold inside and what we refuse to look at can make us very sick. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. And I mean, I, my anger, especially uh, at myself, was essentially like, I, I think I was literally like consuming myself. Like I was, I, it's just like my master had said, I was all fire and no water. And I was, I was burning myself from the inside out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, how that, lucky. Is, uh, how, that is an incredible yeah, story. That is an incredible story. story. Sorry for the, the rambling. But no, yeah. you're not rambling. I love this because, you know, yeah. I think one of the reasons that I so wanted to talk to you both is that I really admire um, that you bring your whole selves to what you do. And mm-hmm. I've really been sort of immersing myself in your stuff in prepping for this this conversation. And oh, God. I, it, it's been amazing. <laughs> like, uh, Sharon, I was watching your acting reel, and you are, yeah, I mean, you have an extensive film and television reel, and yeah. you are a fantastic actress. Oh, thank you. That Just means so fantastic. much to me. So thank you. Fantastic. But oh. I, I will tell you something else, too. I'll tell you something else, Sharon, is that when I was listening to your voiceover reel, and I mean, even the commercial voiceover reel, I was like, God damn, I need to step up my game. Like, oh. <laughs> I mean, you... I think you're doing all right, lady. Um. I, I, yes, yes. But what, I, but what I mean is, what I mean is, you bring something incredibly specific to each of these spots. It, it is so specific. And I think if there's a word for it, I would call it precision. Oh, thank you. That mean, that's the best compliment I could ever get. Because I think that's what we strive to do, right? There, no two people yeah. are alike. So no two characters can be alike. And uh, even though you're bringing the same, your same self to each character, we're so complicated as humans that I think um, there is that, right? You seek out that, like Nosh was talking about, like with the father in the play, like you have to seek out the part of you, however ugly or vulnerable or scary it is that resonates with this character. And um, so I, it means a lot to me that you uh, feel that way listening to my work because I think I absolutely do. I absolutely do. I, I I was like listening to you selling, you know, different, you know, 
liquors and stuff like that. And I thought, <laughs> I I feel this something. This voice lends itself to liquor or not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yes, it's a little bit sexy. It is. Um, but, it's, but it's specific. It's so, you're so precise with what you're doing. Did you develop that skill for voiceover or, or is that just you as an actress and it translates so well? I think it. It will never be, I've learned, unfortunately, the hard way, fortunately and unfortunately, the hard way over my journey that it, it, it does come back to the storytelling. It's always the acting because I, I really, I, you know, my little story is that I, I have had this voice, this deep resonant voice since the time I was kid, I, a kid. I joke about, you know, being in re, uh, an eight-year-old at recess and somebody's like, what's your name? And I'm like, Sherry. <laughs> I've always had this like enormous voice and actually growing up, it made me self conscious. It was one of those things that I'm like, I don't sound sweet and girly and high pitched like all the little girls around me. And um, I eventually had to, I, once I grew up and I learned that my voice was a gift and I learned that I could use it to, to communicate and to touch people um, mm-hmm. and to, you know, and to, and to hopefully, you know, uh, foster human communication and, and human connection. Um, I did start to perceive it as a gift. And then I went too far the other direction. And I think for many years in my early um, acting life, particularly in voiceover, I relied on that sexy voice. Oh, you know? and, yeah. And it became yes. a, a crutch, you know. It became mm-hmm. this, this, this thing that I could hide behind. And I think it, it really has been, I think, in more recent years where I started to um, allow myself to be more vulnerable and allow those parts of me that I'm scared to show or that I'm afraid to be, you know, are going to be exposed to come to the forefront and let the voice follow the character. I think that's mm-hmm. when I've had the best moments in my acting. And, and that's where I think specificity and precision, as you said, come from. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was a journey going, going from hating it to going too far the other direction and only using the voice, um, to then finally finding the balance in between to marry character and voice, you know? You know, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm thinking that, especially as a young woman in this industry, I, I can't speak for you, but I know that my experience was that people would often tell me to find my thing. Like, you're a, I would hear, you're a young Anne-Margaret, or you're, you know, find <laughs> what is your niche. Right. And then I did find that I think... I limited myself by yeah. how I thought other people were perceiving me. And then mm. I was afraid to sort of move into, you know, other other areas to, to try new stuff until I got a little older. I think, yeah. you know, I think that there comes a time when you have to sort of let that stuff go if you want to stretch as an artist. Absolutely. And I think this business does that, right? Like they, yeah. they do try to typecast you all the time and they, they sure oh, here do. are my sexy girls. <laughs> here are my military girls. Here are my, uh, but we all as human beings have everything in us, like all the different, you know, and all you, all the best you can do. I always say with any audition or any role is just bring your version of it. And, and then you leave the rest to the casting directors and the producers to decide, like, are you the voice I'm looking for? Are you mm. the storyteller I'm looking for? But um, but I think Notion and I both have learned through our our experience that that is all you can do is bring a stretch and, and bring yourself to it, you know? Um, yeah. 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 I, I saw I saw this video that um, you put out, Noshir, um, 
you were addressing people that were trying to break into voiceover by playing with their voice, working on their voice, accents. And you were talking about how critical it is to focus on character development. And you said something that just just blew my mind open. Um, You know, we were talking about as actors, we always look for what each character wants, right? Mm. That's, that's, you know, that's um, page one of of good acting, right? Uh, (laughs) What what are you after? What's your, what do you want? What's your objective? But what you said was whether or not it's in the script. And then you said this thing that I actually wrote down for myself and I'm going (laughs) to, just so I would have it, Uh, but I want to share it here. You said, Everyone has motives, and a lot of times those motives don't actually match up to what they say. Oh, that's great. And I thought, that, that is such a gift because, because you know, well, think about what we did in Red Dead. I never knew where Susan was going or where she came from or what would happen tomorrow. They didn't give me that because of the NDA. So, right. so how do I create this character mm-hmm. except for figuring out – Places to to uh, to places to find that. What does she want? Whether or not it has to do with her actual words. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I think it's really important for people to hear. Oh man, uh, I'll try. Um, I know I just gave it all away. Now say more <laughs> about it. Great, great. I think um, human. Like human language is such an interesting and beautiful thing, but it's so limited, mm-hmm. you know? And I think as a result, the other part of it is the average human being um, isn't comfortable with actually uh, letting people know their wants and their fears and their hopes and their dreams mm-hmm. um, because it makes you vulnerable, right? And uh, unfortunately, most of the time, we brace ourselves for the idea that um, that could be a weapon turned against us, right? Um, I think yeah. a lot of times people learn that from when they're very young. And so, so often you'll have a, you'll have a desperate hope, and, um, but you don't dare voice it, right? So instead you'll do this kind of circumnavigating thing. I mean, I mean imagine the first time you you know, as a, I don't know, for me, it would be like a college kid, (laughs) you know, you try to talk to a girl or whatever. Like, um, it's not like, Hey, I I think you're fascinating and, and, and so cool. I'd love to spend time with you. At least that's certainly not the way I go about it. (laughs) Um, Or like, Hey, uh, yeah. What do you think about this pizza? Like, you know, like stupid stuff, but stupid stuff. Are you going to the party? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and or so, this place is lame, isn't it? Right. Right. Yes, right. <laughs> right. And I, I think it's interesting that, um, like, especially in, in like auditions and, and scripts, they don't have to, I, I think there was a time when it was super important to me that whoever was going to watch or listen to my audition, they knew I'd done my homework and that I knew what they wanted and I was giving it to them. You know what I mean? Oh, I do know what you mean. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the truth of the matter is I don't know what they want because actually most of the time they don't know what they want, you know? <clears throat> um, yeah. And certainly playing it on the nose is actually not very interesting. Um, so 
oftentimes for me in my character building, I'll, I'll create desires and hopes and dreams and fears that are not anywhere on the page only because they, they create conflict inside me, right? So that when I speak something, especially if I'm speaking something with a completely different meaning underneath, you don't have to know what I'm thinking about, but you will pick up on that something is not copacetic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that internal struggle. That, yeah. That, yeah, that, that internal yeah. dissonance. Yeah. Right. Because human beings, by their nature, you know, as animals, we've learned to pick up on deception. And I think that's why the worst thing you can do as an actor is try to sell. Right. Right. Because as soon as you start selling, any, any human being who's incredibly perceptive, especially given, you know, the media bombardment that we're subjected to now, right. will pick up on, like, you're trying to manipulate me. Right. And immediately I back off, you know, because it's like, oh my I don't know God, you are so right. Yeah. Right. You, know? you are trying to sell me and I don't want to be sold. Right. Right. That but is that, really true. That is so true. That definitely <laughs> requires courage out of the actor, too, because, you know, uh, I still struggle, I think, with that notion. Nosh was saying about ha- giving them what they want for hitting it on the head, you know, the, of, the, mm-hmm. of whatever they're trying to cast. And um, it, you can get really caught in your head, especially with the breakdowns they send us sometimes. They'll oh, be God. like, you know, looking for <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence, but also an Oprah type. And you're like, I don't know <laughs> what you're asking me for. And, um, yeah. <laughs> Nosh and I both have studied with a, an, an amazing coach and, and he's become a, a really dear friend. In fact, he married us, uh, Bill Holmes, uh, who told us very early in our training, you guys l- let go of the breakdowns. Let, l- let go of all of the words on the page that are confusing you and and making you start to sell the idea of what they're looking for. And I know Nosh always will say, it's not in the breakdown, it's it's in the script. That's where you have to look for the cues for for how to craft your character. Um, And I think that that has been uh, a hard lesson, but also a really freeing one when you can let go of the expectation and just find your story in the script and bring yourself to it, you know? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think we, I don't know about you guys, but I've heard this story over and over and I've, I've experienced it myself over and over, but there are always times when I am just flat out exhausted or I have something else going on in my life that I can't, I can't bring a whole lot of energy to an audition. I just can't. (laughs) And that is almost always when you get the job. I mean, mean, not almost always, but it happens often enough because I think that all you can do at that point is bring the work you've done and you don't have the energy to to put towards people pleasing. Yeah. Right. Because you're distracted. And most people in real life are distracted, you know, (laughs) so... There's something about that that I think people respond to. Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, uh, Notion and I talk all the time about how uh, our job is not um, the booking. Our job is the auditioning as actors, which is a a tricky thing because I think we're all wanting to have a career and book the job and find a life. But uh, Notion once told me that the minute he let go of 
needing to book the job at the end of it and just bringing himself he has the job for a minute while the audition's going on here and um those are those are when those are his best moments of of shining and i think i can agree with that um, yeah, that's really well said. It's yeah. true. It is your job. They've invited you there. They are watching you and you are playing the role. Right. But I can't think of my job as auditioning because it's also torture. No, it's also exactly torture. Yeah. And that yeah. is not my job. But I hear what you're saying. <laughs> no, for sure. No, it's uh, oh, we as I think we do. We all deal with a lot to just try to get to the other side. That's um, why when I have a job, I insist on enjoying it. This is a little mm-hmm. side note, but I insist on enjoying it. You are never going to see me complaining because I've been in my trailer too long or that the food <laughs> isn't good because it, auditioning can be such a slog. It can be so hard. It can't all be it can't all be miserable. So when I have yeah. the job, I insist on enjoying myself. <laughs> I I just I think that's a good way to live. I, right. Yeah. It's yeah. just a it's rule. interesting. Like I actually really enjoy auditioning. He really does. No, he's, like, he's the yeah. one like the mutant in yeah. town that actually loves to audition. Oh, that um, is such an advantage. I think it is well, such an advantage to enjoy I mean, the I, process. <laughs> I think I enjoy it because for me, the way I look at it is like, I mean, for for this brief moment in time, this role is mine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No one gets to tell me what to do. No, no producer in the back gets to, you know, put their two cents in. And I get to really let rip and just do whatever I want to do. And mm-hmm. if I'm really doing what I want to do with it, that's a lot of fun. And also that means that when I submit it, I'm literally saying like, this is what I want to do with this. Yeah. Take it or leave it. You know what I mean? Versus this is... You know, oh my God! You like you're talking this? about like, self tapes. You like oh, the self tape? Oh, <gasps> I love it. Oh, yeah. Sunday, ca- ca- listen. You should be. You should come participate in the self tape process at our house because it can be like. I mean, he truly loves it. He is. He was truly born to do this. He's masterful at like scene breakdown and trying something else and playing with it. And I think that's it's extraordinary because. What Kylie said is true. It can be exhausting. It's like, you know, most most professionals out there go on a job interview and then get a job and are there for some years. We go on a new job interview like seven times a day, you know, and mm-hmm. and it can be yeah. it can wear on you. So I think it's really astounding I, I wanna, that he has the, jo- the joy. It is. It is. Yeah. And I do want to I want to just sort of throw something out here. And I don't know if this is true. I'm just thinking of it now. But since both genders are here. Yes. Mm. Don't you think, Sharon, that there is something to putting yourself on tape and all that, that that because we are women, we are also expected to look a certain way. And so the hair, the makeup, the lighting, the clothes. I mean, already when you go to an audition, for me, I'm already stretching myself by choosing what I'm wearing. That would be a costume designer's job by doing my hair, my makeup. There are skilled people at those things. Now yeah. I'm in charge of lighting, the camera angle, um, you know, and 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 the, it 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 adds a layer of stress to Absolutely. to yeah. It's it's pressure, and it's one of the things that I've struggled with my entire journey in Los Angeles. You know, um, uh, 
they really are. We are an industry here that is caught up in how someone looks and mm -hmm. uh, what age they are. And, you know, all the physical attributes um, matter, particularly when it comes to on camera. And it can be a rabbit hole, you know, to go down if you are uh, questioning whether those things are affecting uh, your ability to book the job, you know, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and it, it isn't, the, you know, in, in on camera and, and whatnot, those become part of how you tell the story. Uh, it's one of the reasons that I find so much freedom in voiceover, because suddenly all of those external things go away. I don't have to hit my mark and find my light and where's my prop and well, all of those things go away. And it almost, I always say it almost sort of distills the storytelling and I get to just concentrate on that part of it and create the rest in my mind. Um, but it's, it, I, I can only speak from the female perspective, but it, it can be extraordinary pressure to have to fit a certain mold or constantly be questioning um, all, the, all your physical traits and how they might affect um, your ability to get the job. And, mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's distracting you from the actual storytelling, you know, yeah. and by, the, by that point you're exhausted. And mm -hmm. I think it's a really tough thing to work through. Um, Do you feel that same pressure, Noshir? I'm really interested in this. Mm. Um, there's definitely a pressure. I think um, all of that has to follow me getting a firm grasp of what the story is. Yeah. I think it's interesting though, because it feels almost like two different questions, like one yeah. or two, you know, two different sort of uh, thoughts. Like one is when does, when does what your character wears and whatnot come into play mm -hmm. for you creating a character? But, but the, but the second question is what pressure do males feel in this business to look a certain way, stay at, be a certain fitness level, uh, you know, have a certain look mm -hmm. or hair or muscles mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, is that, is that kind of where closer to what you're asking Kylie, like females yeah. kind of feel that pressure to like, have great hair and be skinny and pretty and, you know, uh, all of that. Yeah, so um, let me say, you're you're exactly right. There, there are two ways to look at this. I had a great acting teacher. Um, uh, I went to the acting conservatory at Boston University, and I had a teacher who talked about um, basically how – uh, when when you hit the desperation stage, when you've done everything you can to find this character and it's still <laughs> eluding you, uh, try changing the clothes, try mm -hmm. carrying a different mm -hmm. purse, like mm -hmm. then you can try an external. And that is a great way of using those things, you know, wear your hair differently, yes. throw it back, right. see if that <clears throat> changes how you how you look at this character. Right. But it is true that I think at least being a woman who's been in this, I've been in this business forever, mm -hmm. um, that I have had enough people say to me, hey, they absolutely loved you, but they said it didn't look like you brushed your hair, you know? Or, what? Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, yes. That is, that is just part oh, of being man. a woman in this business. That is like, part of being a woman yeah. in this business. Yeah. They uh, loved you, uh, but they said that you are like <laughs> 10 pounds too heavy to be the ingenue, um, right, but, right. you know, 20 pounds too thin to be the fat best friend. Like, it, right. it really is a thing where... I, as, now, as I've gotten older, it's easier to to understand where those voices come from. Absolutely. But there is still a part of me that that knows that um, that presenting a certain ideal of beauty is just expected. 
Mm-hmm. Unless oh, the yeah. character specifically works against that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, well, so there were two different things we just talked about there. And I don't, I don't think I, I generally have, uh, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I'll be in the, in the waiting room, for example. And like, it's like, damn, there are a bunch of like supermodel looking dudes here with, <laughs> you know, chiseled jaws and all this stuff. And like, you know, biceps the size of my face. And, and that's, that's great. Um, I don't know. I, there's not much I can ever do about that. And mm-hmm. that's, I think, uh, I think Noshir really is, if I might say, like, he's really grounded in who he is and what he brings to the table. And I think that that, that uh, shows up in how much he lets those pressures of what, of looking like a certain way or fitting the role or whatever. He doesn't, I know it rolls off him in a different way than I think it does for a lot of, a lot of actors. And I think that's just like the work he's put in to not buy into those expectations. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know I've struggled with it um, more. I think I still struggle with it. Um, And I think he's just uh, maybe grown past it. Um, If I, I don't know if I don't want to put words in your mouth. No sure. But it seems so it's not like a male female thing. It's just like a no share thing. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, to be fair though, the the pressures on, on a, a woman in showbiz are completely, completely different yeah. than the kinds of pressures um, a guy has to face. I, I mean, to a to a ridiculous degree, I will never. Um, uh, that that is like that is a given, and maybe um, maybe I should have been more clear about that. I, I will have issues sometimes with like uh, ethnicity for mm, myself as mm-hmm. far as appearance. Ooh, but, don't yeah. get me started on that. Oh <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but That's like my you know, whole the, the pressures on on women are are totally yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I so since we're here and since you already brought it up, I really do want to talk about this "Dark Is Beautiful" campaign oh, yeah. that um, mm-hmm. you are an ambassador for, Sharon. Yes. Um, so I, I I've I've listened to you speak about it, but tell tell me how it started and how you became involved with it. So "Dark Is Beautiful," uh, we just had our ten year anniversary. I have not been with the campaign since the very inception, but. Um, the gist of things, you know, boils back down to South Asian culture and the sort of nefarious way that skin color bias permeates society there. Uh, they, there really is um, an unspoken and often spoken <laughs> um, belief in society that the fairer you are, the more fair skinned you are, the more beautiful you are, the more successful you'll be, the more marriable and, and worthy of love you'll be, an opportunity and all, all these things. And um, I have a really unique perspective because not, I mean, I grew up South Asian, so I understand just how deeply that negativity goes. Mm-hmm. But I also am an American born woman and an actress here. So I, I'm also. Uh, outside it a little bit, you know, and able to kind of uh, look at it. But where the the burning desire began for me, actually, it's a quick story. But um, I before I left Chicago, I was starting to dabble in the idea of TV and film, and uh, you know, which eventually led me to moving, uh, relocating. But um, I was up for uh, the lead role in a South Asian story, a film that was being produced by uh, a major studio here. And uh, the writer was South Asian, but the rest of the production team was all uh, not 
Indian mm-hmm. or South Asian in any way. Of course. <laughs> of course. I think I'm hoping that those things are changing now, uh, you know, whatever, 14 years, 15 years later. But um, I had a killer callback. And I remember they told me that you would to expect a call uh, if they were moving forward. And I got a call and it was the director's assistant who got on the phone and told me what, how glorious I was. And it, I was like, all right, here comes the offer. And um, uh, at the end, she said, but we are going a different way. And I was <gasps> oh, like, oh, okay, which, you know, sort of killed my soul. But at the same time, I was like <laughs> trying to be a good actor. So uh, I was like, well, thank you for your feedback. Um, if there is anything you can tell me, you know, that I can use to better myself in the future, I would welcome your feedback, you know? And um, this very not South Asian woman was like, oh, uh, no, no, honey. We thought you were perfect for the role. You just didn't look Indian enough. Um, oh, my and God. I, I sort of was like, oh, oh uh, okay, thank you. Thank you for your time. And I hung up the phone a little confused and slowly confusion, confusion turned to rage as mm-hmm. I stopped to consider that um, I am a hundred percent Indian in my bloodline. I was born with dark skin. I have two Tamil Indian parents. Um, I am what Indian looks like. And um, whereas I think a lot of people who are actually in deeply in South Asian culture, not outside of it in America, like I am, uh, not that it doesn't exist here as well, but um, I think it's easy to get to allow that to kill your self-worth and to start to really question whether or not you are worthy of love and respect and opportunity when society is is really putting you down for being for looking the way you look. Yeah. I, however, have always been a little feisty. And uh, I, I, I got, yes. I got fed up with it. I was like, how dare you, you tell me not Indian person that I don't look Indian enough. But then I also sort of started to recognize that that's sort of India's South Asian culture's fault because we in India have such a, a an ashamed view of our own dark skin that in our entertainment and media, we only push forward fair skin, tall, beautiful Italian looking actresses. However talented and beautiful they are, they are not necessarily an authentic representation of what society looks like. Mm. And I sort of, of, you know, and so we come in like a variety, a rainbow of skin colors in (laughs) India. And so I kind of made it my mission to start to marry my career and success with victory for dark skin people everywhere. And, and by a series of connections, uh, had done an interview, which someone had read who was connected to the campaign and the campaign got a hold of me and w- w- I was put in touch with the campaign rather. And they really opened um, me, wel- welcomed me with open arms to kind of be an ambassador to Hollywood for the campaign. So to try to take their message more globally and, you know, kind of um, help spread awareness uh that beauty comes in every shade of skin and that fair skin or dark skin or anything in between are all worthy of love and respect and opportunity. And, you know, and so I, I understand deeply, not just the pressures in this industry and in, and in South Asian media and entertainment that you have to look as fit a certain standard of beauty as far as weight and height and symmetry and hair and makeup, but also, there's the added layer of fighting against colorism, you know, and, and I can't change my skin color, but I can at least help uh, show people that with every success I have, 
I am a dark skinned woman. And so there's, there's nothing standing in my way. So there should be nothing standing in yours. Um, and that's sort of my role with the campaign. Uh, dark is beautiful. It's an NGO uh, rooted, uh, based in India. It's and, so beautiful. Uh, I, I think I heard you say that you hate the boundaries of beauty. I absolutely. That was so well said. Absolutely. I think Hollywood needs a good dose of that. Oh, too, God. You know, you know you're uh, reminding me of, of uh, you know, it's not it's not the same. But when you say, you know, that that Bollywood is only showcasing one version of beauty outward. Right. I, you know, it's so interesting as I've gotten older, I have chosen not to do anything to my face. I don't have any fillers or Botox or I've never even had a facial and that's my choice. And I respect everybody's decisions in this Absolutely. area. Absolutely. Do what you want. But I will say that now when I see myself on TV <laughs> and especially in HD, there's a moment where I go, I, I remember the first time, um, seeing myself in like hyper close up in HD on this TV show. Yep. And I was like, what I paused. I was like, what is on my face? What mm -hmm. is on my face? I literally thought that there was something on my face and it was wrinkles like between my eyes. Yeah. And even on my own face, I didn't recognize it because, mm -hmm. because what women look like in their forties and even fifties and sixties, Hollywood has changed. Yeah. So, so it's like, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to look like at this right. age. It's sort right. of been warped by what Hollywood has put outward. Right. Mm. And, you know, so much is rooted in like your ethnic background, your genetic background, your family history, like how a person ages, you know, has to do with or, or you know, has to do with so many different factors that there can't just be one definition of this is what a person looks like when they're 30. This is what a person looks like if they're Chinese. This is what a person like we can't put those those limitations on it that yeah. there's an exception to every rule. And so I think the more of us um you know uh, that are using our faces and our names and our voices to to speak the truth to the masses um the more i hope society will eventually let go of these like unnatural toxic standards and just let people be the color they are and the age they are and the gender they are and just just celebrate diversity and stop trying to like put a definition on it. Um, that's how I feel. So yes to that. Yes to that. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, Absolutely. I'm an eternal optimist, but I do feel like it's getting better. I really do. I feel yeah. like there are big, oh, for sure. right? There okay. Yeah. There've been big changes for sure. There definitely have. Okay. We have to talk about video games. We have not talked about video uh. games hardly <laughs> at all. And I've had you guys already for an hour. So um, <laughs> Sharon, do you also do, um, do you do motion capture performance capture? I have not yet. <gasps> I have obviously uh, a history in theater, and I uh, I know a lot about it just through Noshir's career and watching what his experiences have been, but I have not actually been in the volume. So hopefully that is to come in the future. But um, Oh, that'd be so exciting. Yeah. 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 It, it is so <laughs> much fun. It is so, mm -hmm. so much fun. I, I yeah. have to say, I, I always, I often looked to Noshir when I was a little bit lost when we were shooting uh, Red Dead. I'd be like, uh -huh. uh, I don't know what that word means. <laughs> there were so many <laughs> phrases. It's like a whole other language. Yeah, I, I literally yeah. was like, I don't know what a cutscene is. I don't know what a... He's good like that. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. really He's good, good like, like that. that. Oh, and, God. <laughs> and, you know, you're such a great actor, Noshir, and you're, you're 
you're you're such a pro, but you are also just a fucking technician. Yeah. Um right? Yes. I, I saw that the head of player animation from The Last of Us Part Two said this about you. He he tweeted out major in all caps props to Noshir Dalal for his epic work at the stage for all player gun reloads featured in The Last of Us Part <laughs> Two. Every reload that looks like it has some knowledge of technique to it is due to him. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Troy's awesome. Uh, it was yeah. a real pleasure to to get to work on that project. Um uh, so yes, cool. of course, and I'm sure yeah. he's awesome. But that is a major thing to say. <laughs> he's saying that every every reload that looks like it has knowledge or technique is only due to you, one it's guy. True. On it's that true. Game. That's huge. It's huge. How yeah. how hard do you work on on your technique? I trained in firearms because for me that was um, like martial an extension of martial arts. I didn't kind of. A lot of folks study firearms to get into movies or video games. Um, and I guess as a result, so, so like, I mean, Sharon will tell you, like, oh, I'll be yeah, I was going to say, I, I got to uh, interrupt this dude because he's, <laughs> he's super modest. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, I trained in this, you know, Kylie, you know, this man doesn't half-ass anything. Um, oh God, no. We, we he, literally would be on our one lunch break in the middle of a, of a, of a shooting day that was like hours and hours and hours, like a, an extra long day. And on lunch break, he'd be like working out in the corner. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, that sounds about right. Uh, I'm shoving cookies in my mouth. It's like while, while no share is very physically gifted, a, a technician and an, and a, and a physical actor, like a kinetic actor. Um, he, he puts in hours and hours and hours and days and months and years of training in, in his weapon work, in his close quarters combat, in his, you know, his martial arts and his, it, it is, it is a natural gift, but I think as with any natural gift, it requires training and honing. Uh, it's a lifelong process and he, he will always be modest about it, but I will tell you that he came back from the last of us sessions with fingers and hands bleeding after days of reloads. Like he, wow. he, do, he does not, it is not an easy, uh, you know, breezy time he he puts in a tremendous amount of work it's really inspiring well maybe no sure Delal should teach me how to shoot a bow and arrow and not charles smith because as a player i still can't do it i don't understand charles gave me my tutorial right in the beginning but i cannot do it Um, Uh, you know how frustrating it is to be like playing a fighting game with my friends and like know that some stupid move i can actually pull off in real life i can't figure out how to do that on a controller it makes me insane insane. i can't do it you know how embarrassing it is to be sitting with my 14 year old child and she's like mom I just oh. showed you how to do this. Right. And then there's my part of the population that just wants to take care of my horse. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, like, that's all I want to do. That's all and I really want to do. That's all I want to do. And I don't want to accidentally kick my horse. That's really, I just don't <laughs> yeah. want to abuse my horse. Um, but let's, I want to talk about Charles Smith for, for a moment and, mm. and, and uh, some of your other characters. You put out um, a very important uh, video to your fans talking about how, um, 
there is fan fiction that will will take characters that you have created and then give them different lives. They may put them in an LGBTQ relationship or mm-hmm. um, ju- just give them full lives in their fan fiction. And and it's sort of like what we talked about earlier, that once we're finished with the characters, it belongs to the fans. And I was hoping you could talk about that a little because I thought it was so beautifully said. Uh, sure. I, I mean... I think any of the three of us would agree uh, that that any of the work we do, any of the characters that we get to kind of that we get to walk in their shoes in the first place is such a privilege. And then to find that people uh, care about those characters enough to want to extend their life, their lives past the medium, you know, they were presented in Mm. uh, what an incredible, uh, compliment right yes um and i know that um sharon has had a similar thing with like dr bellum and Mm -hmm. and carmen and um you know it's super that's such a cool that's such a cool thing i just uh, i don't see any reason to um in any way try to restrict or muzzle that 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 enthusiasm and love for for what we're doing if it's not, it's not hurting anybody. And, um, and it's being done, you know, with, with care and enthusiasm. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, and I know that sometimes that can really, uh, rub certain people the wrong way, especially when they feel, uh, they have a personal connection to that character and, and this piece of art or fan fiction or what have you is, um, in some way, uh, kind of going against their their thoughts on who that character should be. But it is art, right? It, it yeah. is art. What we do is art and and all art is open to interpretation and that's what yeah. makes right. it that's what makes it effective is that it it opens up something different in all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we do we have to talk about Carmen San Diego too because oh, yeah. oh, it's so good. Okay, I have to tell you. <laughs> so, Lucy and I started watching it as like research, you know, because Yay. it's like for she's she's a teenager, so it's like, you know, she's a little older than Sure. Um, and we couldn't stop. We just couldn't oh, stop. Yeah. We couldn't stop. Oh. And then like later in the evening, I was listening to one of your reels and she heard a voice that was similar and she ran in. She goes, are you watching without me? Like she oh was my so God. mad. So cute. I love that. That makes me so happy. Um, yeah. I, I mean, what can I say? I grew up with Carmen Sandiego, you know, uh, and I never dreamed that I would be part of, um, any kind of a future life or a, a new perspective, you know, on the story. Um, our showrunner, I call him our showrunner. I, I think he might be co-executive producer by actual title. His name's Dwayne Capizzi. He's the an showrunner. We'll just call yes, him the showrunner. The showrunner. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's this Emmy award-winning uh, masterful story crafter. And he decided to, he dreamed up this, this, uh, idea of exploring Carmen Sandiego's uh, origin stories, which no one had ever done. And I particularly get tickled about that kind of stuff. Like, you know, like, yes, like, wicked, what like made wi- her, her, right. Yes. Like wicked, the musical, <laughs> who is this crazy wicked witch of the West and why is she nuts and killing everybody? And like, I love that exploration, that kind of a thing. So already I love where his brain was going with it. But I also think, 
it's particularly special because he was so committed to diversity in, in the casting. Um, he wanted, because it's a story that talks about different places in the world and teaches children geography and culture and, and language. And uh, it was, it was super important to him and to the team to um, honor diversity and honor a, a number of different ethnicities and genders. And, you know, and it's, it, so it's a really special cast and a special collaboration. I, it must be so much fun to play Miss Sarah Bellum. I, I love her, how she's like, literally like, like shooting out like spores to like kill the rice crop. And at the same time, she's like distracted by cat videos. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, absolutely. I, I feel like there was some sort of like typecast going on there, but I, I do. I, I particularly love playing the big bads, but I also think that I have um, a pretty decent handle with comedy. And so it was very fun to kind of, in those initial episodes, the writing alluded to it. And then the more I leaned into it, the more nuts they made her in the writing. And so I really get to kind of be the comic relief amongst the big bads in the story. And that is like a really particular privilege. Oh, that so, is such so a privilege fun. that yeah. they start, that they, that they see what you're doing and then the writing starts mirroring, mirroring it. It's, yeah. that is such an honor and such a privilege. It's and a and it's so yeah. obvious that you're having so much fun with it. Oh, it's a, it's a great, it's a great cast. I mean, we spend most of our time in the booth laughing at our own antics and having to kind of be like, okay, okay, back to work, you know? And so, um, Oh, I nearly yeah. fell yeah. over when I saw that that was Rita Moreno in the, oh. in the, was it the pilot or the second? Oh. I don't know, yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. She plays the, I yeah. Was like, I know that voice. She, oh. and I love that they do those little, they, they do plant these little Easter eggs everywhere for the old school fans. Um, and so it, it, like, it makes me really happy that, you know, your child who's a little older than maybe what the actual target audience is can still find joy in it and adults can still find joy in it. And I just love that it can be a family I loved watching that series. It's so good. It's so fun. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. It's so really fun. Thank you. And you guys are in season four now, yeah? Is that right? Uh, we ju- I think they just announced season three. Oh, okay. Season yeah, three. yeah. They just announced well, I'm season just, three. Well, I'm yeah. psychic, and I'm picturing oh. season four. <laughs> All right. I'll take it. That sounds Ooh. good. Um, so I, this, this, I would love to talk to you guys forever, but I've had you a long time now. So as we're winding down here, I wanted to give you each an opportunity to, well, as we have talked about through this, this whole conversation, uh, you know, we can't do any of this in a vacuum. We can't do it alone. We all need each other. And so Absolutely. I would love to give you guys an opportunity to talk about a time in your, in your life or in your career when someone uh, took a chance on you and gave you an opportunity to shine. So, Sharon, would you like to start? Sure. Uh, I guess, especially since we're talking about voice acting and talking about gaming, um, particularly or specifically, um, I would say that I got to give a shout out to um, the legendary Andrea Toyas, who is the head of voice and casting over at Blizzard. Um, She, I had been uh, sort of you know, starting to get my feet wet in uh, voiceover, had zero credits to my name. And um, I was lucky enough that my first voiceover agent sort of just took a chance on me and and, and hip pocketed me uh, because I was somebody who was really capable with dialect and um, playing in a, a variety of ages with my voice and whatnot. Um, I was a singer. And so I sort of had this little bag of tricks. Um, 
And so I was lucky enough to get representation, but I had no credits to my name. And uh, one day my old agent called me and he was like, uh, so I just want to let you know that you have a, a booking. And he said that the night before Andrea Toys had called him and been like, hey, who do you have that's great with like multiple dialects and multiple ages? They have to you know, be able to convincingly voice kids and adults while maintaining dialect. Who do you got? And um, he just said, hey, listen to this demo and let me know what you think. And he had sent her my demo. And uh, Andrea took a chance on me and just like close cast me just off of hearing my demo, uh, my demo reel. And that led to uh, six sessions on my first game, which was Diablo 3. And I got to play a bevy of characters and a, a, a bunch of different ages and dialects. And, um, and then she gave me a named character too. I played Karina. So like, you know, if you, if you save the screaming British woman from the spider queen, that was me. Um, uh, and, uh, and it just really was the first. I think I saw it on YouTube. <laughs> um, the weirdest really thing cool. in the world was was sitting in the living room watching No Shear save me from the spider creep. That was like, <laughs> it was like, like yes. you know, it was very a lot of things going on there. But um, it it gave me she her taking a chance on me and and trusting me with something so important uh, gave me my first real taste of voice acting and game work and. Um, Oh, and also, so I had six sessions, but during one of the sessions, Andrea was traveling to like Europe for various other dubs, um, you know, languages. And so Andrea Romano subbed directing that session for me. Mm -hmm. And so oh. it was, yeah, I know. It was like this crazy dream chance to work with like two powerhouse female game directors and animation directors, like directors in general, um, that it really was uh, such a, a lucky chance for me. And it's the, it's the experience that really jumpstarted my love for voice acting and gave me the confidence in my early days that maybe I could really do this. And so I really have to, I will always, always credit her with um, being the first one in, in voiceover and in game to take a chance on me. So that is such my, a beautiful story. I, yeah. I love stories like that. We yeah. all need someone to give we us need, an opportunity like that. Absolutely. And how about you, Noshir? Oh man. Um, <clears throat> well, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is just uh, the way it happened to, to pan out or what, but I've um, almost all of my big breaks have come from uh, women in the industry, uh, which is super cool. Um, so my first mocap gig ever was on the order 1886. I was brought in to do combat, uh, because the stunt coordinator at the time um, had been introduced to me and um, he was like, Oh, you can do combat and you can act. Let's, let's, let's bring you in. And um, uh, Jackie, Jackie Shriver, who's now Jackie Sladek, um was running casting over at Sony and uh, ended up bringing me in for, I mean, everything I can, I can possibly think of for, for years. And now she runs uh, side LA uh, and her and her team have been so supportive and amazing to both of us. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't, I can't thank her enough for for giving me my first shot. And then, and then, uh, <laughs> regardless of all my antics and always breaking stuff on set, still bringing me back. <laughs> oh yeah, so, no, um, that's true. <laughs> and uh, then Ivy Eisenberg cast me in my first performance capture gig uh, for Black Ops Three. Um, 
And then I think the other woman I would have to thank would be uh, Chris Zimmerman Salter. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, I met her working on um, Spider-Man and they, at that point, Sony knew that I could do like a lot of creature stuff. So I would do like um, the combat and the body for like Rhino and Hammerhead and Tombstone and all this other stuff. But um, that is so cool. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> so a lot of fun. Cool. But it was interesting because uh, uh, Sony, I think, didn't really like most of the folks there didn't know that I was like actually a, a theater trained actor. Um, and then in one day on set, they needed like an extra body to say a line. And Chris, you know, was basically like, do you think you can walk and talk at the same time? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I hope so. You know? I, could, um, I could picture her saying that. Yeah. Yeah. She, and, and, um, and, you know, we did the scene and afterwards she was like, Hey, that was, that was good. And I was like, thanks. You know, I, I'm, I'm an, actually an actor and, and, you know, getting into voiceover is something I've always been interested in. And she was like, huh. And she's just kind of like, like, okay. And like, just walked off. And then uh, I think a couple of weeks later, uh, you know, my agent was like, hey, Chris, Chris is calling you in to do voiceover stuff on Spider-Man. I ended up working on that a ton. And since then, she's brought me in for other, other oh, things. Yeah. Um, she, she really championed me and supported me in a wonderful, wonderful way. So yeah. um, I'm very grateful. Yeah. All, all three of those women did amazing things for me. So <laughs> yeah. I think that there's a through line between Andrea and uh, Jackie and Chris Zimmerman Salter and all these, these women who are just like ch true champions for their actors. Mm -hmm. Like they are so giving and so willing, you know, to, to, to give you the chance to to let you shine, and I love that both of our uh, careers began with that, like those power females who gave us a chance. You know, yeah. I love that too. Yeah. I love that too. That is so cool. Well, okay, so uh, we're pretty much done here, but I have this thing in in capital letters that oh. I wanted to ask you guys. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do something that um, that. Just take a deep breath. I'm going to give you each like a sentence and okay. I want it or two. How did you guys meet? <laughs> <laughs> the short version. Yeah, the short version. Uh, we met through a mutual friend, which is the most boring cliche response ever. But um, there is a woman, uh, our friend Prinity, who uh, I had worked with in Chicago theater and that then went on tour with No Share uh, in another theater production, uh, Mary Zimmerman's Arabian Nights. And uh, she moved to LA and uh, was staying with me. And I didn't have a second set of house keys. So I was just like, hey, go hang out with your friends and I'll let you in, you know, uh, when I'm done with work and stuff tonight. And uh, No Sheer uh, brought her to my house. And that's how we first met. Uh, he dropped her off. Um, huh? It was it was a, it was a little bit more sorted than that. Like they went to Venice, and <laughs> and the phone the phone this woman has like the worst travel luck ever, and the, her phone fell in the ocean cause no sheer, because Noshir because I threw over my yeah, shoulder and ran. He has a tendency <laughs> to like pick people up and throw them over his shoulder, and and so they couldn't find my number, and it was Such like the middle idiot. of the night, and I didn't know where my friend was, and it was all this like that. It gets a little bit ridiculous, but um, we always say that we're we're very grateful the phone fell in the ocean. Because we we wouldn't have met otherwise. So 
You just never know. You just, just never right know now. when something <laughs> that seems really bad might just yeah. be the best thing ever. It's true. It's true. 11 mm-hmm. years and strong here. So That is awesome. Do you have anything to add, Nosher, or or do you think that was pretty well said? <laughs> or both. Uh, I think that was pretty well said. I think yeah. I, knew, I think I loved her the moment I saw her, and uh, I'm very very lucky. So. That <laughs> that that is I the best. keep you. That is the Aww. best. Well, I just adore you both, and I Aww. cannot thank you enough for making time for us today. I, the listeners are going to get so much from this, so thank you, thank you, thank Aww. you. Oh, Such Kyla, a pleasure. Yeah, it's thank so you for fun. having us. And it's sort of like a little, we always check off a little box on the milestone career moments that we get to do together. So first interview together, check. Uh, yeah. Check, Very check. Cool. I am so honored. <laughs> check, check, check. All right, love you guys. We love you too. Mwah. Thanks so much, Kylie. Okay, bye. bye. Bye, guys. That was so fun. And if you want more of Sharon and Noshir, you can catch Sharon as Dr. Bellum and Agent Zari in season three of Carmen Sandiego, which just dropped on Netflix. And they've already announced season four. And for all the Star Wars fans out there, you'll find Noshir playing Titan leader Varko Gray in Star Wars Squadrons. And look out for Noshir in more games and animation coming out soon. To keep up with all their new projects and to see how Nala's training is going, check out our show notes for Sharon and Noshir's socials. Noshir and Sharon want to encourage everyone to please wear your masks, be kind to one another, and for our American audience, they hope that you'll do your part as a citizen and vote in November's election. And now, some exciting news from the gamers. Okay, everyone, it is time to recognize women in all aspects of gaming for their dedication to creating content, building communities, and empowering each other. The Gamers Awards honors exceptional women in gaming in 17 different categories, nominated by you, the gamers community. So it is your time to make your voice heard and vote for who you think should win each Gamers Award. Anyone can participate, so head to thegamers.com, that's T-H-E-G-A-M-E-H-E-R-S.com, and click on Awards to cast your vote. And be sure to tune in on November 19th to watch the award show live on the Gamers Twitch channel. You know I'll be watching, and I cannot wait to see who wins. See you there. Thanks for listening. Let's Play was brought to you by The Gamers, a community that connects all types of women gamers and welcomes every human who supports this. Let's Play was produced by Kylie Vernoff and co-produced by The Gamers team. Laura Deutsch, Rebecca Dixon, Verda Maloney, Heather Awita, and Alexis Wilcock, with sound design done by Frank Verderosa. Please visit thegamers.com for show notes to access exclusive bonus material and to learn more about the gamers community. And we'd so appreciate if you subscribed and gave us a five-star review. Thanks again for listening.